Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps, and for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back to episode 143 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on September 14th over on twitch.tv slash Chat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the new information that we have about the Awoken. However, let's run through a quick introduction of those who are on the show with us tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, I, um, I'm, I'm afraid to ask about this, but I hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? I, sh- I'm watching Ninji and Datto and the Roman <laughs> team going head to head to head at the Riven boss. It's now like ten hours into this raid. We never, my, like my team, I tried to go into the raid. I was uh, 525 and we never made it out of the first room. We just couldn't do enough DPS to Callie to get out. And so I have been kind of salty about it all day. You <laughs> just, can check my Twitter feed if you'd like to, a little bit. <laughs> to see it. I, I, I have been the top tweet besides a bungee dev about the last wish rave raid for the last six hours which is a little sad um i feel bad but i'm still a little mad at them at the moment but that's not their fault they did what they were told anyway i'm watching the raid if they beat the raid during the show i'm totally going to call it out and i'm enjoying watching these guys go through it because they are definitely some highly highly skilled players well and so. I, I like chat's talking about it right now i think at this point they have been on that last battle Six hours? Five hours? Oh my hours? god, Ninji has been, for sure. Um, Dado got there about an hour ago, and I guess we're at 11 hours, not 10 hours. The god time. So much time has passed today. But yeah, um, Dado and I believe Gathalian Broman team has gotten there around the same time about an hour or so ago. And Ninji's been there for like six hours at Riven, the boss. The main boss, but yeah. It is, well, or so we believe, intense. is the main boss, right? We don't. Nobody's gotten past this point at this point, <laughs> which only makes it more depressing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man! Well, 
Rounding out the usual team, we have the man who's known far and wide as the Destiny lore content cop and a very, very good spinfoil farmer, the one and only Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing tonight? Have you drank some water? Did you get get a good night's sleep? Get some food? I love how I see tweets from like four different people now at you and (laughs) Anon Pig telling you guys to, to make sure you're taking care of yourselves. <laughs> just shows that we love you and we care about you and we want you to say stay healthy i know and it's very much appreciated because there were points where i was like oh yeah i'm actually out of water maybe i should go fix that um yeah. so it definitely has been helpful uh but i've been good otherwise i'm, I'm trying to figure where the uh spin foil farmer came from though um but otherwise Things have been pretty good. Uh, still enjoying Forsaken for the whole of 20 minutes that I've been able to log in tonight. Uh, haven't been able to the rest of the week. Been uh, It's been kind of disappointing. A little bit of a way. But oh well. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, no, things have been pretty good. Uh, work is at this like really weird, tenuous spot, though, which I try not to think about. Uh new new assistant management and uh, of course there's always going to be some uh, lost in translation things in the process and other things that kind of get like shoved around uh, but otherwise it's been uh, it's been good for creation as well because uh, this week's been good for creation uh, just because I'm yeah, able to sit down and like video. yeah I guess I had a 40 minute video we had another uh, 20 minute, and the whole trick behind it is that it has all been unscripted. Uh, and people don't think that the quality has dipped, and I'm really happy for that. Uh, I get really kind of worried when I go into things, and I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for this podcast for that reason, I think, because I've been able to kind of find my voice uh, through the muck, and try to figure out that, like, I can say some things in my life, and not always have it be exact or or have to di- uh, direct everything in one way. If there's something that I really want to make sure is said properly, then yeah, I'm going to write it down. Mm-hmm. But uh, just the fact that I've I've been able to do things unscripted and people have been still interested in what I've either had to say or at least found what I've said entertaining, uh, that's that's heartening, to say the least. Uh, I, I appreciate all the support on that angle. Yeah, but it's been a good week overall. Uh, it's also been a super good week because it's been freaking hype in, in other games, not even just in Forsaken uh, or in Destiny. I don't know why. I have a really hard time calling this game anything but Forsaken anymore because I feel like it's a completely different uh, game ever since the freaking expansion dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for my stupid Final Fantasy mobile game, uh, <laughs> and yes, I will always refer to mobile games as stupid because they are stupid. Uh, and I'm still stupid for playing them. Moving on. Um, in my Final Fantasy game, they released the character that I was really looking forward to for the last several months. Uh, ended up getting six of him. I don't know how this happened, but I got I got six of him and three of another character. So I don't have to do any more pulls for like another year. We'll put it nice. that way. Uh, and then also in the stupid Dragon Ball mobile game that I play, they just came out. There, there's this scene in Dragon Ball Super where it's Frieza and Goku, and they're going up against the final boss, if you will, of the Tournament of Power. 
and they took that scene and they put it into this card uh and like scene for scene like exact translated it into this mobile game and it's just a beautiful looking animation and whatnot uh but i just i cannot get over how good it looks and literally at the fact that i ended up pulling it without like almost any problems whatsoever and i have like four friends that are like i hate you so much so much anyway I'm glad you had a good week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Blue. Well, I was going to actually give it back to you, Green, because um, I could not, for the life of me, remember if we had asked a question this week for the community. I don't think I did. I think I got so oh, sucked ooh. into the grind <laughs> it's like, that I'm like, I, did totally, I completely missed totally it. Missed it. <laughs> I think I totally. Yeah. The grind is real, guys. I yeah, I totally, I didn't even remember it until you just brought it up. Frankly, <laughs> so um, I've been having fun with Forsaken. I hope you have too. Yay! Uh, yeah, I for- totally <laughs> forgot. Like I said, for the twenty minutes I've been able to play, sure, that's been so good, Beard. I've put, I know. I've put anywhere from four to six hours a night into it. And Must then be nice. most of the weekend. Oh, I have been neglecting a lot of things <laughs> to be able to do that. <laughs> My wife has been very patient, luckily. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say every weapon that I pick up, uh, every new piece. Like I didn't have that, of course, over the last year of Destiny because random rolls weren't there. And I know everybody's like, "Oh, random rolls are the worst thing ever." And I'm just like, I feel like they got it right. Uh, they didn't go enjoy them ex- again. Yeah, they didn't go like too extreme with most of the perks. And even if you don't get something that's like, uh, you know, that if it's not like, well, it's not auto rifle loader, and I really wanted auto auto rifle loader. Mm-hmm. You also have a chance that it rolls with something like uh, small arms or something like that, where it covers a vast majority of weapons that you may use. So it just adds versatility to the the piece of equipment that you pick up. Uh, in addition, the fact that they like have super mods and uh, ashes to assets is back uh, and stuff like that. That's just awesome uh, because it really does feel like I'm getting a lot of the uh, power that I had in Destiny One totally back. Uh, and even then, with just the new supers and everything, I just I really feel like it's a different game. It just it does not feel like uh, Dest it. it I guess it feels a little bit closer to and akin more to uh, Rise of Iron in its last days, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still has some more power behind that, just with the way that the supers are, uh, with mantling and all the other st- standard quality of life that Destiny 2 brought. Uh, it's just been so good. I Every time I think back on it, I'm like, all right, am I just getting overhyped? Like, am I just overthinking something? I think back on like some of the moves that I've done or some of the fights that I've had. And I'm just like, no, this is just really well done. So I give him a lot of credit. There, it does feel like a lot of things have shifted and changed. Yeah. And whether or not you find it a good thing or a bad thing, it has definitely changed the way we play. Yep. Um, even running strikes and missions and stuff like that feels very different now mm-hmm. because we have different options and the some of the different burns and whatnot that have been on there, they really force you to think about how you're playing the game, which I know can be a good thing or a bad thing, but it's just having you be a little bit more 
cautious and critical of how you're doing things, which I don't think is a terrible thing, but I know that I am of a minority opinion in a certain group. So, but blue, no, since I, we don't No, I'm right there with you on it. I, I think that there's uh, some things we have to just adjust to as a community, but again, I just think overall, it's just been a very positive experience from what I've, I've heard from everybody. Anyway, yeah, I. Dreaming City. The Dreaming City is so pretty. Like every time I think I'm done looking over some of like the, the the areas, I go back and I look through a little bit more, and I'm like, nope, I missed this nook. I missed I missed this cranny. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's just so many little things that you can find, and I did you get the kitty? Love it. I did. I I found the one kitty at least. Apparently, there's a couple of kitties. Yeah. 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 Well, I found the one and I got a tiger's bite from it and I love that auto rifle. Yeah, I use, I'm use i using that one right now. By the way, mm-hmm. biggest thing, biggest beef at the moment yeah. with Forsaken that is not raid, raid related. The emissaries, or not the emissaries, the Corsairs scare the <laughs> out of me when I walk over to them. Like <laughs> if I'm walking by a patrol beacon, what looks like a patrol beacon, and I forget that they're not patrol beacons <laughs> yeah. on the Dreaming City, and this Corsair starts talking to me, and I'm like, what the, the okay. first time I loaded into the Dreaming City, and I look over from the, the spawning location, and I'm like, oh, look at this kill-all that's over here. I'll just go mm-hmm. grab that real quick. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I stop, and I'm just like, whoa, what are you doing here? Whoa! Hang on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a freaking jump scare. I was like, I was not prepared for this, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was freaking great, though. Like, just to see that happen was... Uh, I, I love that they, they varied things that way. I love that oh, they thought ahead great. enough to be like, they were not. there would not be patrol beacons in the Dreaming City. Like, that would not be a thing. You know? Anyway. It does make sense. I mean, realistically, the Awoken, the Awoken wouldn't have the patrol beacons up. Excuse right. me, up the vanguard. So right. yes, it very much makes sense that they would just have some guys out. But uh, yeah, no, love it. I I seriously could. Uh, I will eventually gush about it uh, once I really feel like we have all the content that's uh, supposed to be out for Forsaken. I want to get my actual like full uh, review up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is something that, uh, unlike some that are just like, here's the review for Forsaken. I played like four hours. Right. I'll just play four hours of Forsaken and think you've got a review of it. No right. way. It's, uh, it's very in-depth comparatively. Uh, I still can't go over like collections and everything else. It's just fantastic what they've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, again, could keep just talking about it. Uh, it is about the only thing that I have, uh, among a few other things I've really thought about throughout like uh, my week. Uh, and I'm just really happy to have Destiny back. That's that's all I'm really going to say. I'm just really happy to have Destiny back. Me too. Blue, are you ready to do... I am. Are you guys, are you guys good? Um, yeah. So obviously, I think you can tell we are, we are happy to have something that we're excited to chat about again. So I know everyone's looking forward to diving into this discussion, but let's run through our standard intro notes and then we'll get right into it. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed the community's farewell to Cade 6. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. 
If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help us stay up on the charts, which helps others find our amazing community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found on our website. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on a broken vanguard. However, as always, please be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. With all that being said, here's Green with a high-level summary of tonight's topic. The Awoken people have a history that is full of mystery and intrigue. Much of what we have learned with Forsaken can be viewed as a sort of religious-like text, providing context for various people and events that were deemed important to the rise of the Queen Marasov. We see the birth of the Awoken through the eyes of the Queen... well, the eventual Queen herself. As well as see the Awoken Civil War. We gain insight into Prince Aldrin's motives and his personality, as well as gain a sense of empathy, sympathy, almost, for his behavior from the story missions. There are so many answers we have gotten with this release, yet at the same time there are so, so many more questions. We will not be able to cover everything this episode, but we will try our best to cover the major themes of The Awoken that has changed with this DLC. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about The Awoken, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. All right, so this week we are actually going to kind of, I hesitated to even call it Lost Lore. It's more of like a glossary of what we're going to be talking about, really. Um, Not entirely, thank God. There's a lot of... God, man, can you... Oh. I'm going to say, I'm looking at this outline going, I can't remember the last time we've had one that's like five pages. I'm a little mm-hmm. worried. It's mm-hmm. and this is just an overview. This is not even all of it. Oh, I God. couldn't tell you how many times I had to stop when well, Blue mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. We're gonna have um the supplemental tracks essentially. Oh, yeah. go Sorry, up did on I YouTube. did I mention that at, in I the episode? No, I haven't. <laughs> Wait, you did it before the episode. I mentioned so. it now, I forgot to. So, so yes. So what yeah. listen to what Green has to say for right here. Um, there is so much information about the Awoken that has come out, 
in the form of quote unquote books that Mm -hmm. it's a little difficult for us to be able to cover everything in chat. So we can't even do like, um, what does the text say type thing? Because we would be here for hours. Um, So blue and I decided that we would actually record these separately. I think we did this once before with one of Uh, the the episodes. The story of your, that's right. I did the story of your, so this one we recorded um, the Marasena, which is 25 cards long to give you a heads up. It's an hour and 40, almost 50 minutes. And that is with very little time in between each card. So it is a long, long story. Blue recorded Forsaken Prince. And which mm-hmm. was the other one you recorded? Um, I'm going to, I need to do one more. So we still, we have two of them done. We have two of them yeah. to do. I'm not, I don't yeah. think we need to do Wall of Wishes because it's like no, 15 it's sentences. Um, but I know Forsaken Prince at the end of it was about 48 minutes, I think, all said and done. And mm-hmm. I think I had I think I had a little bit more fun doing it than you <laughs> than you did. Oh, I had to stop and look up words like every couple of minutes. It's like, dear fair, God, whoever fair wrote warning. this. Fair warning. Great. I had a lot of fun doing Elixney voices. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I haven't heard it yet. But uh I have to record the Awoken of the Reef book, which is another twenty-three cards long. And Blue, what's your other one that you were gonna do? Uh, is that- yeah, we have the so the the two that we have left is the Awoken of the Reef and the Dreaming City. So right. we'll just we'll just have to figure out we'll flip coins for it or something. I don't know. Yeah, if you want. Um, they didn't ask me to read any of these. Just you put that out there. A forty-minute okay, video. Fair, if you would like to, be to fair, this is the individual who who wanted to rename the episode. <laughs> Let's I, educate I a know. YouTuber. So <laughs> I know. I know. This is also it. true. That would have actually forced me to actually read them, though. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. It's okay because yeah. here's here's what I'm here's what I'm also going to probably do. Uh, I have I had already had the thought of like okay, all this lore and the presentation that it's in like I'm trying to think for the channel how I can also go ahead and uh, do so. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking what I'm going to do, which I think is going to tailor off of these books and why I'm bringing it up. Uh, if, if you don't know in the past, I try not to talk about my channel that often while I am on this show uh, because one I think it's freaking rude, uh, but largely I think that there's a good reason for this bring up, uh, and that is because I want to cover the books almost immediately after I'm done reading them. Mm-hmm. So like That's I will fair. sit and That's read fair. them. Uh, I will record them in my journals, of course. And then from there, I will go back and basically just say, Hey, here's what I figured out from this, because this sounds pretty prevalent to like what we're trying to talk about. Uh, so everything, I think that, uh, what these guys are talking about here with these, uh, recordings and the, the little bits and pieces that, uh, I've at least heard in the works sound like they would tie back very well for like, here's the, here's the expanded readings on them and the fun readings. And then here's us, you know, here's me just talking about them. Um, so look forward, I guess, to that from, uh, from your focus fire crew here. Uh, yeah. But I would, I would love that kind of stuff just to, to kind of, hey, it's like a quick collaboration and we don't even have to worry about much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and the other, the other thing is, you know, before I dive into kind of these definitions here is, you know, we kind of mentioned this before Forsaken was, before it had dropped, um, you know, my excitement about you, you had mentioned the collections and the triumphs. 
what this does for us is that this gives us collections to do analysis of. Like yep. now we yeah. have a collection of the Maricena, which is, you know, if you want it. Okay. So for example, let's, let's just kind of dive into this a little bit. If you want example, if you want the history of the Awoken before they came back to our solar system, which we'll, we'll get into in just a second. But if you want the history of them in the distributor, just distributory, blah, I cannot talk. Um, it's in the Maricena. All mm-hmm. the history of the Awoken after they come back, back into what they refer to as the tributary, um, that's all in the Awoken of the Reef. Uh, the entire story of Aldrin. Well, the majority of the story from Aldrin after they return from the tributary or return to the tributary, which is our solar system, um, mm-hmm. is in the Forsaken Prince. And then you have like the Dreaming City, which is much more akin to the old grimoire logic uh, from Destiny 1. It's a very loose collection of tales that deal with events that happen in the Dreaming City. So they're not necessarily all, it's not as uh, cohesive of a tale as, you know, the Maracena or the Awoken or the Forsaken Prince, but it is it is a, a tale or it's a, a collection of tales that is about the same topic. Same as the ghost stories, right? The ghost stories, which, I mean... I'm sorry, but if you you need to read the ghost story entries because they they're so are sad. There's well, yes, but there's some amazing ones. The Don Quixote one is mm-hmm. freaking hilarious. I mean, like, yeah, the ending of the Don Quixote one, which it's Don Quixote, so it's not really a huge surprise. It's very sad. Um, right. Uh, the Ghost Hunter is absolutely terrifying. Like the concept of that that individual like i mean but but what i really like is that this gives us a thematic um collection in which beard we can do exactly what you're talking about you know like we can say okay we're going to look at the maracena for this week and we can just tear apart and it's i mean there's a lot in there i mean technically you could probably you could probably take just brefos or revanche you know you know one one of the just few entries and do that but you know you can have now these kind of more guided Detailed. conversations whereas before with destiny 2 it was really difficult for us to say hey we're going to talk about weapons um you know like it wasn't there was no there was no guiding path there was no guiding lights for us to kind of and it's not to say that we're going to stick on the path right i mean that's half the fun is kind of disagreeing with maybe some of the stuff but mm-hmm. I, I i just that's that's what actually has gotten me really excited um, and kind of talking, talking about that brings me back to what I was going to kind of do for the lost lore segment. I was just going to run through really quick, uh, the Maracena and the Awoken of the Reef both have, um, a number of entries. I think in total, we're looking at about, uh, 49, no, 48, 40, 49, I think there's 25 entries. in Maracena and then 20, and 23. Oh, there's and, only 23. I have 25. Yeah. So, okay. Okay, so 4850ish uh entry a, a ton of information, guys. It's 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 a ton of information. Um, in addition, I think the entry total on Ishtar somewhere around 278. Yeah, I think final and that's not they that's after the uh Truth to Power book was taken back out. Yeah. I was going to so, say because we still we're probably upwards to 300 I think when we get like most of the other raid content out there and whatnot, I think we're probably closer to 300. Uh, to give you an idea of typical drops, I think, uh, granted, I can, of course, bring it up on Ishtar because they have the amount that's listed there for us. But uh, 
I think D2 itself in lower tabs alone was about 150, 175. That sounds right. Yeah, I have it written down somewhere as well, and I don't, I don't have it in front of me. But yeah, that sounds about right. But these are also lore tabs. Right. And these I think are before, not like the ex- before Forsaken, I think Destiny 2 had like a total of like 600 or 800. Yeah. And yeah. This, I'm like, going to say. I mean, this just completely obliterates it. With everything that was released from D2, uh, Curse of Osiris, mm, right, right, Warmind, yeah, yeah. plus the additions, of course, with like uh, Crimson Days, uh, the Dawning, and a couple other little events that were sprinkled in there. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I really do think it was somewhere around like six hundred entries. Like it was enough that I filled uh, a moleskin book. Like it was, it was two hundred and fifty some pages plus there. Uh, but the lead up, the wind up to Forsaken, made me start to uh, have to dip into another book to give you guys an idea. Uh, and it, I started on page like I think thirty of my second book for Forsaken and I'm like already up to 50 and I'm or 60 at this point and I'm already done all of the weapon entries but that is all that I'm done is the weapon entries I now have the armor which goes in an order I now have the sparrows and ghosts which granted there aren't that many of like previous uh expansions and then I also have all of the book entries which I'm going to be sitting around for for probably the good majority of a month trying to sort through uh-huh. Uh, I do not have the time of day right now to sit. Like if I, if I full hermited up, right? Like <laughs> I didn't go outside for a little while. I might be able to get a, through a good majority of them in a th- about a three day time period. Uh, one, so I would feel like garbage. Two, I would probably look like garbage more than I already do. Hey yo. Um, and then otherwise I would be, I would be in a very unhealthy place because I would like crawl out of that room and just be like, eh, destiny lore, it is all that I am. Or I could also pull like Robin Williams. guy and... from, uh, the, what is it? The sci-fi channel guy, the aliens yeah. conspiracy guy. Yeah. <laughs> aliens. I could also pull... <laughs> aliens. <laughs> or I could also pull a Robin Williams, in which case I end up going, what year is it? Mm-hmm. Anyway, but definitions. So, <laughs> so, one of the really cool things is that uh, as I was I was I was going through these initially, um, I didn't take the time to really look into the naming convention of the entries, and I actually I'm kind of sad that I didn't because at when I read it the first time through, I was like, you know, this is kind of interesting. If you read it alphabetically, uh, because I didn't have the information on the books just at the time that I was reading it, but if you read it alphabetically, it actually worked, which was kind of cool on, on first off. Well, in the awoken, like if you read all the way from like Brefos all the way down to, um, Tyrannicide, Mm -hmm. it's all in alphabetical order. Like it, Mm -hmm. it, it flows from very start to very end. And it's like it's really well done, uh, which I thought was kind of kind of cool. And then I started going back and I started looking at the actual definitions of these entries. And so, for for instance, the first one that we have is Brefos, uh, because I did not I forgot to look up the other one that I can't pronounce. Archiloquy. Archiloquy, which I'm sure actually, you know, I can probably look up that real quick. But uh, Brefos. Yeah, I know. It's uh, yeah. Uh, Brefos actually, so the majority of these, actually all of these, except for one are actual terms. I'm going to preface it with that. Brefos is a Greek, it's a derived from a Greek word and it means an unborn child or an embryo 
or a very a, a brand newborn child, an infant, a very young infant. Um, and so it's very appropriate that Brephos is the first entries into the Mara Senna. This is this is speaking about kind of um ironically, it was the awoken before they were the awoken, so they were not yet born as the awoken. They were still in an embryonic form, uh, form as far as their entire life cycle. Um, then we come to the Cosmogyre, uh, which actually, you know, we kind of talked about this before the show. Cosmogyre actually doesn't have a term. It's it's like this weird chimera word between Cosmo and Gyre and Green. I don't know. Did you were you able to mm-hmm. dig up anything on that one? Yeah. So uh, a gyre is a it's a swirl. Or like to gyrate, it's kind of a the um, the root of what gyrate is. So a spiral or a vortex. So it's like the creation of a cosmic world that spirals. And if you look in the Dreaming City, you can see a, essentially a cosmogyre going on above. There is the spiral of what is the um, singularity that we'll get into later. Yes. Uh, which will then bring us to the ex- extasiate. This is why is... I had to stop every five minutes. Ex- <laughs> what is it? Extasiate? Extasiate. Extasiate, which is basically, it's a word that means to go into an ecstasy. So it's not, a, I mean, not a huge, not a huge aha moment there on that one. Uh, the mm-hmm. next one is another one that's kind of like most of these kind of make sense. Uh, fideicide is uh, literally killer of faith or one who breaks a trust, uh, which again is actually very cognizant of what's happening within that those entries. Uh, that brings us to heresiology, which is actually a uh, a a form of theology or history of theology in which it's the study of heresy. Uh, this was a very. This is a very big thing, especially within the more orthodox faiths, uh, which you know, again, not a huge surprise there. Um, and then we come to impotent, which is unable to take effective action or helpless or powerless. Uh, which I, I love that that is actually the uh, cards that deal with the introdu- introduction of Sejur, which is the first queen's wrath uh, and her battle with Aldrin, which is. Amazing. It's a really cool oh fight scene. Aldrin just she seems pretty cool. Oh yeah, no, she is she's amazing. But Aldrin is just oh my god, he is so freaking good at what he does with like the whole like he uh he just Aldrin knows what he's doing within the impotent cards. Like it's just really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um Catabasis. This is this is one that we were talking about actually before the show. Catabasis has a really cool history. Um so Catabasis is actually explained inside the the Catabasis entries by Mara. Uh, she is mentioning the Catabasis as a descent into the underworld, which is in mythological terms actually a very accurate term. But the the actual word Catabasis just means a descent of some type. But it is also used in military terminology as a means of retreat. Uh, we were talking, and this was kind of what we were talking about before the show. This actually is a callback to a time in Greek history in which they were sorely defeated. And it's so it's a term that means the march from an interior of a country to the coast because they were having to retreat back to their coast. Um, so catabasis is actually a really kind of a, a kind of a layered layered word there 
Um, that brings us to the next one, which is nigh, which is near or almost, uh, which is very appropriate for what we're inside the Marasena. This is this is this is at the point inside the Marasena when they are preparing to to leave. Um, which talking about leaving, we get to palingenesis. Uh, palingenesis, the word means is the concept of rebirth or recreation in mythology. Uh, so you will see this a lot in like, uh, uh, Phoenix mythology and stuff like that. So, uh, and again, in palingenesis, this is the end of the Marasena, which is the transformation from le- they're leaving the distributary and coming back to the tributary. Uh, and so they're, they're coming back into the mortal realm. Um, then the first entries in the Awoken of the Reef are are called Revanche. Uh, revanche is literally revenge. Uh, it's it's basically a policy or movement that is aimed at achieving the return of a nation's lost territory or status, especially when those losses were results of war or a treaty signed under duress. Uh, and to unpack why that is why that is a very very cool use of this term is because the entire the entire event that led to the creation of the distributary by the awoken was basically a treaty that they signed under duress and that kind of goes mm. back to the cosmogire um and the events within that as far as the, like between cosmogire and ecstasyate um that's that's what kind of happens is they they made a deal under duress to escape the conflict and so they they lost their access to the mortal realm they were given access to the distributary and so revanche is them them coming back and claim kind of starting to claim what was kind of theirs or you know their birthright basically um and that kind of takes us to telic uh, which are the second set of entries within the Awoken of the Reef. Telic is a word that means directed or tending to a definite end uh, or expressing goal, result, or purpose. Again, appropriate because within the Awoken of the Reef entry, this is the basically the establishment of the reef as is governed by Mara. Um, and so what we see in Telic is the beginning of the construction of the Dreaming City. We see a lot of the the plans being laid. Um, this is also where Riven is introduced, uh, and Riven is very crucial in in the entire development of some of the things that you see in the D- Dreaming City, even in game today. Uh, before all the changes that are going to be coming, you know, as part of the the ever evolving end game, as they call it, um, some of those things are are what were being laid in place in the Telic cards. Uh, and that finally brings us to tyrannicide. Uh, tyrannicide is simply the killing of a tyrant. And this is where we get the cards that or the entries that explain Mara's plans to, uh, well, not overthrow, but to eradicate Oryx um, and her plan to implement what she refers to as the bomb logic. And kind of where you start getting a feeling that, you know, she sees Oryx not as a, not as a nemesis, but as a step to gain the weapons in which to do battle with her nemesis which starts begging the question of who she is actually up against like who she's looking Mm -hmm. to fight um so tyrannicide is actually five entries and it's it's probably it's probably one of the most telling of the entries i think in the woken of the reef at least because tyrannicide 
deals directly with the entire conversation between Eris. Uh, it explains all of what was going on with Eris, well, most of what was going on with Eris and Mara, uh, how Eris got involved. Uh, it explains that. Uh, you see the beginnings of a lot of the plans that are being uh, coming to fruition in the Forsaken DLC uh, that you, if you stick, uh, one of the devs mentioned this on Twitter, but if you stuck around for Petra during the campaign, she has optional dialogue once you get her into mm-hmm. the Dreaming City. Uh, oh, yeah. She's got, I think it was like seven or eight prompts. It's like, like it was five minutes worth oh, of it was It was a lot yeah. of information, too. But a lot of that information when I recorded it, I think the good majority of it was just me standing there listening to her. I was like, I was like, keep talking, keep talking, keep telling me more. It's like, wait, how many are there? It doesn't end. This is wonderful. Just keep talking. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but so a lot of a lot of the terminology that or a lot of excuse me, a lot of the concepts that she is mentioning at that point are explained in Tyrannicide and like the, the framework for what is going on at the beginning of the Forsaken and kind of what we're seeing as far as like the, um, the whole, you know, killing Riven, you know, going after Riven that is getting explained within the Tyrannicide cards, at least as far as like what is happening, why we have to do certain things at, or the surface, the reason why we have to do certain things. Um, so that that those are the entries of the basically the Marasena and the Awoken of the Reef. Um, entries inside the Forsaken Prince are they're not they're, there's not a lot hidden in them. Um, they're all pretty straightforward to be honest. Uh, let me pull this up real quick. Um, and that's because the Forsaken Prince, like I was saying. Uh, Forsaken Prince is literally the story of Aldrin, and it is explaining Aldrin's kind of descent into this weird madness slash borderline. Per- like Aldrin, Aldrin, after you read especially Marasena and the Forsaken Prince, Aldrin becomes a lot more um, of a of a tragic character. Uh, you you start realizing that Aldrin really, from the very beginning, was fighting a losing battle when it came to. Uh, because he was up against the manipulations of Mara, uh, and then later he he is the so of the two siblings, Aldrin was the only one who actually kind of had feelings of um, of uh, familial love. Uh, Mara was Mara was kind of the cold, distant one, um, which is talked about in the impotent cards, uh, especially when Sujur challenges Aldrin the first time. You start getting the sense that Aldrin is actually Aldrin is actually the one you should be sympathizing with. Mara is the one that's kind of manipulating everybody, and I mean, Mara gets called out Even by her Os- own mother. I was about to say Osana actually calls her to the plate and like basically point blank tells Mara that if she doesn't stop manipulating Aldrin, she loses her as her mother. Like she she will cut her out of her life, which is I mean. Osana actually tries her best to protect Aldrin from Mara, but the problem is, is that Aldrin is so loyal to Mara that it doesn't matter to him. Like he 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 just loves her that much, um, which is what happens inside the Forsaken Prince. You see this this like development of a character who is just unquestionably loyal to his sister, um, and then 
uh, it's the uh, after the fall card, after the fall entry, which is about halfway, literally about halfway through the book. Uh, is so you have the entire story of Aldrin's kind of discovery of the Black Garden, which is a very interesting conversation, uh, and the development of his relationship with Jolian, who is one of his uh, master crows, and then. Jolian is the last entry, and then it's after the fall, which is the immediate the takes place immediately after um, the Battle of Saturn. It also explains why Aldrin's ship ended up in Hellas Basin. So, I encourage people to go read it because it point blank explains it, like it completely explains it. It also goes further and explains exactly how he created the House of Dusk and why he created the House of Dusk and why the Elixni were okay with all this. It explains the entirety of um, the birth of Fickrel and the entire like construction of these barons of the scorn and the entire scorn. Um, now, granted, uh, it's the scorn are more explained within the lawless, uh, what is it, the lawless frontier and um, oh, um, Varix's book. Um, uh, most loyal. Most loyal, yes. Most loyal deals more with the the development of the scorn as uh, abominations of the fallen. Um, the only reason I know that name is because it is the only thing that some of the guys on my channel can talk about right now. Oh, like, oh, I wanna, oh, oh I wanna, my! I want to like it's, God, it's really the good entry, from what I hear. The entries, like oh. Oh my god! I I've only done like a surface read through of them, and I'm like, yeah. oh Lord Varix, it's oh my gosh! Like, I'm not joking when I said we probably should have renamed this to educating a YouTuber because <laughs> I have no idea what some of this is going on. Like, <laughs> like they're saying like Mara's got a mother, and Mara's <laughs> the one that like was actually doing all the manipulating, and you got to read this oh and that. God. I'm just like, I have There's... no idea what they're talking about There's right so now. Much. I'm just sitting back like, this, this oh, is good. well, here's here's the other here's the other thing that I gladly accept. <laughs> so here's the other thing, Beard. They explain directly and point blank where the Jensen scribes come from. Yes. Oh, I, I, I don't know if you, I don't know I, I don't line. know if you saw my tweet, but like that was like I was like so I might have actually been live tweeting as I was reading lore entries, which is really weird because normally you live tweet when you watch something. I was live tweeting yeah. while I was reading <laughs> and I lost my head when I saw the explanation of what the Jensen cuz I've been so, I've been like begging for this since god what house of wolves when right. the when the harlequin pendulum came out i'm like what are these guys like and then asher it was like asher's like the the uh the last the jensen scribe he's the last one i'm like ah, yeah yep 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 there's a lot beard there's a lot going on i mean and there's so I'm, much answer just... that's the great mm -hmm. thing it's so much yeah. of course which you know for every answer we have like 50 more questions but we see exactly wow. where the awoken come from mm -hmm. right. now yeah i full I full disclosure <laughs> full disclosure yeah. too is again going back to you know the let's the let's chat that we did a while back this is in-game lore it's it's in-game presentation from an in-game persona so in the same way that we have to take the books of sorrow you know, as much as as much as we're excited to read a lot of this stuff, the Mara Senna, and I think Green, you were mentioning this in uh, chat the other day. 
the Morrison is much, much very similar to the books of sorrow in the mm-hmm. sense that they are, they are almost holy texts that are explaining to, you know, the descendants of the true or the original awoken mm-hmm. what is going on. So we, that being said, if it's Mara that is writing the Mara Senna, you know, she does a pretty brutal job in being pretty fair as far as like criticizing herself because the entries are, are pretty brutal against Mara. Like, I mean, they're not, they're not like, like dragging her through the mud, but it it does humanize her to an extent and shows you why she is as cold and calculating as she is in some ways, because you get the whole, um, she learns that secrets have power very, very early on in the Marasena. And that is driven home throughout the entire book. And I would say that's the theme of the book, quite frankly. Oh yeah. It's the destruction of the eighth, eighth, uh, or the, the first proclamation of uh, Alice. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's, there's just so much. I'd love to do an episode just on the Marasena alone because there's so many stories just in that. It's on the poll. It's on the poll. Good, good, good. Um, but But real quick, do you want to jump into the that little overview that I threw in to the notes real quick to kind of move into the conversation mm. of I I, I also tell collected you, that you technically have something wrong in the very first line I probably do she's the second she's mm. not the first no she's not she's the first <laughs> see that's, I can't put any secret. input in here to say that's whether it's wrong or right so that's... we just have to. That's the right. major secret in Nye. That's why she gets not- the Blackberry tea thrown at her <laughs> from Alice. Mm. And then at the end in, um, I believe it's Palingenesis, when she and I think it's Suter are in the ship, above oh, the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she uh-huh. says that, Suter calls her a devil. She's the devil. Um, yeah, that's the secret is Mara is actually the first Awoken. She just let Alice take credit for it because that allowed her to surprise manipulate everything. I get it. That makes sense. Yeah, it's like it's it's Mara is playing a long game. Like, I mean, she is. is. It's hundreds of years. Hundreds of thousands. They've been in they were in the distributary thousands of years. And they're immortal. That's the other thing. Well, we learned, in the, the yeah. Well, they were immortal inside the distributary. As soon as Correct. they returned to the, the what's called the soul. tributary soul system, they became mortal again. Which was a huge part of why Mara had to work so slowly in the distributary um, to convince the the uh, I can't remember how many of them that actually came back with her, but uh, that's why they had to. That's why she had to convince them so hard, like so much, was because they weren't just coming back home. They were actually coming back and giving up. They were sacrificing immortality to return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want me to just go ahead and read your little thing that you wrote? Yeah, if here? you if you're if you're sure. comfortable doing that, yeah, please. Mara, as the first awoken, defined the rules of the new race, but allowed Elise Lee to believe that she had been the first and take the title of queen. This allowed Mara to operate in the shadows, 
culminating in the Awoken returning to the mortal realm after what was to them thousands of years within a pocket universe outside of the flow of time. Here in Seoul, only centuries had passed. The full scope of her endgame is still currently unknown. Upon returning to Seoul, some of the Awoken returned to Earth to assist their ancestors. This departure allowed a small force of Fallen to track down the Awoken who had remained in the reef. Mara led those who remained into battle and managed to defeat the alien attackers, finding that, thankfully, the raiders had not communicated their location to the larger fallen foes. This allowed the Awoken to fade into the shadows of the Reef for the time. The Reef Wars were started after the Awoken realized that the House of Wolves intended to join their brethren in the Battle of Twilight Gap. For reasons still unclear, Mara attacked the distracted fallen fleet, killing their Kel and opening the house to internal strife between the remaining forces, each thirsty for now for the now vacant throne. Mara was able to watch, waiting until the wolves had nearly destroyed themselves to sweep in and finish off any who opposed her, taking control of the fallen house of wolves as their new Kel. The house would eventually rebel against the Awoken. Some believe, with the help of a few of the barons of the Scorn, these queens breakers. Oh, you have this written slightly odd. Um, the house. Yeah, sorry. Been- sorry, I wrote that like that entire. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. The house would eventually rebel against the Awoken. Some believed, with the help of a few of the barons of the Scorn, these queen breakers, however, would not survive the revolution they led for long. Now allied with the Guardians of the Last City, Mara and the Awoken put out a call for revenge, and the Guardians delivered it with violent efficiency. The Awoken people would experience another massive blow to their way of life soon after the resolution of the Wolves' betrayal with the arrival of Oryx, the Taken King. Although the Guardian and their fire team managed to defeat him, it was not without paying a heavy price. Among those lost were the Queen of the Reef, though some held desperately to the hope that she was still present in some way. Their hope, it seems, was not in vain, for this was merely a step in Mara's plan, a difficult one, to be sure, but that was what, but one that was necessary if she was to overcome the threat of Oryx and, the, and his ilk were. For while Oryx and the Hive viewed the universe through the lens of the logic of the sword, Mara saw connections in what she referred to as the logic of the bomb. She merely needed a catalyst, a connection to bridge the pieces together. And what better bridge than to than the blade of a god? Oh, Mara. Mara, 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 Mara. She's a mess. <laughs> she's good at what she does, though. She is so good. And she's always been good at it, according yeah. to Mara Senna. Yeah. Like, she's, what, 19 when they left? Uh, th- when they got on Exodus Green and got on that the project? That's right. Like 19 uh, years and nine months or something like that. Yeah, because Exodus... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I accidentally opened up Arlequin or Achoo. It's... Um, it's, So... Yeah, Lang Lang LeWay was the... Which, which, okay, sorry, real quick. uh, A really, like, cool nod there. Yang LeWay is actually China's first astronaut. So, just, you know have that in the back of your mind too it doesn't have, there's like absolutely no connection to anything else it's just a little trivia fact um uh yeah langlaway was like the um the umbrella ship or whatever the ship spire yeah 
Uh, but was it Exodus Green that she was on? Mm, Exodus Project, Green Project was... Amarita. Amarita. Yes, Project Amarita, but she Exodus Green was mentioned in one of the early cards, too, because there were 40,000 and then 481 were the numbers of people. <laughs> oh, man, there's so much loaded in that. Because there, uh-huh. were, there were... This is beard. This is why... I don't know if you saw my message in Discord the other day, but this is a potential nod to, I don't know, the nine. Because there were originally 900 crew and 40,000 passengers on Yangla Way. The 40,000 passengers were in basically in cryosleep and were, you know, basically just, uh, they were just literally passengers. Um, mm-hmm. When they went through the events on Cosmogyre, they were brought into the distributary and basically made it into Awoken. Well, when they came, when they were Awoken, uh, there were only 40,891. There were nine missing. And no, like that, there's no comment on it at all anywhere. It's just they went from 40,900 to 40,891. That's it. Or, or yeah, 91. <laughs> like 91 or 81. Uh, it'd be ninety-one. It'd be ninety-one. Sorry, I had a brain freeze there because it'd be nine missing from nine hundred. Right. That would be really scary. I mean, but I'm like, I read that and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, (laughs) I'm going to be. They're just going to continually poke at us and give us all sorts of different. And it's like what I was telling Beard uh, before the show. It's like I was doing. Um, I was doing some. Uh, rewriting of summaries from destiny one just for my own Mm -hmm. notes and i was sketching out the the house of judgment sigil and inside the house of judgment banner that we had uh from destiny one there's uh three bars with nine circles connected by small bars it's three lines of nine spheres with bars in between them and it's like it's just on the house of judgment banner like there's no there's no connect and then uh Soraya we were talking with uh, I can't remember oh I feel terrible I can't remember who it was at uh, Guardian Con but talking about her face tattoo mm. it's a circle of nine circles like there's just I, these was it man at arms no it wasn't man at arms man at arms was when we were talking about the uh, Titan who was Satan um, mm. oh right uh no this was oh gosh. There's a lot of people that we talk to about different yeah, things. It Z, might have been Z and Chats got it. Like, there's so many like red herrings that it's it's mm-hmm. becoming it's it's very different. But there, it's yeah, there's like nine. It's nine missing people. Like, what is going on? Um, but yes, so, uh, Amarita was the project that she was on. Yes, and she selected to be put onto that project because of an event that she had on a <laughs> rabbit the rabbit EVA. Uh-huh. that is like is that a jay <laughs> rabbit reference I, I have no idea what it's it such is. a random so so there's yeah yeah go go for it Greg. go for it so the story is and i don't remember which one of the cards it is from mara Senna, that um mara Breakfast decided one. to that she wanted to be a part of this expedition this finding of getting out getting away from the traveler she didn't want to be beholden to what was going on 
because she was doing an EVA and her partner that was out there with her um, while they were repairing it suddenly had his faceplate shattered by a frozen rabbit embryo that came hurtling out of nowhere and just <laughs> destroyed his face. And it's like, what the I kind of want to pat whichever bungee writer wrote that because I literally paused at that moment and went, that is really effed up. Like, who's got rabbit embryos in space? It's also oddly specific. Right. Well, and there's so there's there's two other references to rabbits in deep space. Once the drifter and then the jade rabbit. Mm -hmm. So it's. I remember reading that, and I'm like, "Hang on, did I just, yeah, did I just read that?" Re-read like, it. like I had to go back and reread it because it's, it's oh, such a mess. Man. There's so many good little stories within the Marasena. Uh, we but... also, uh, sorry, talking about little stories. We also got a possible explanation to the A113. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So it really... isn't just going to sit there as like a a thing no. anymore. It's going to actually have Well, purpose. I mean, cool. I don't know if it's going to sit there. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but we got it. I I think it's a nod to the A113. Um, it's, okay. Uh, oh, what was it called? It was, a, it was a space station that just like, they have like a almost like a a Dead Space-esque report from it. Okay. It's, really, it's a really interesting little thing. It's got, I, I want to say, I didn't have a chance to like look into it to unpack anything super detailed because there's a there's a ton of uh coded stuff because it's a um Uh it's basically a damage report and Mm -hmm. it's uh it's the the um call intake person freaking out because the space station was like reporting damages and then went silent and i guess one of them had family on it and they just like they completely went silent and so it's Mm -hmm. like it's them freaking out, and then another one's like trying to clock him off this ledge. Basically, it's a really interesting little card. I'm trying to remember which one it is. I can't hang on. Let me dig it up real quick. While he's digging that up, I'm going to go ahead and kind of give out some of the questions that we were asked in chat that I think we're going to go over a little bit. Uh, how did the Earthborn Awoken come to exist? Why are they blue? Are there Awoken babies? Is there any lore behind their weaponry choice slash like bows slash knives and the connection between the Marasana and the Awoken of the Reef and the Maraid? So there's actually answers to a lot of these questions. Did we ever actually get the answer to why are they blue? I know why we why they have like the I don't like I don't know. We kind of do. I I mean, like they're cold. Well, which is my favorite. My favorite part of the dawning. (sighs) Was the children? I, I was the th- children came and were like, "They awoke and are cold because they're blue." It's, well, you know, Mara used to do the EVAs, and she would let her body turn blue. Like she would let her, she that's what the videotapes were. She would expose herself to space. Yeah, and really I think I mean, weird. I think that kind of is. I mean, maybe it goes back to her being the first and defining them. Maybe. I I don't I we didn't that was like of the questions that we did have from chat that was the only one that didn't have like a clear answer. Mm-hmm. Uh real quick uh beard it's the Bamberga entry. It's from uh, it's from the Dreaming City uh book. 
How did I have a feeling when I saw the name for that one yeah, just it's, sitting it's, in the uh, entries? That was going to be an important one. It's a, it's an interesting one. Um, and, oh my god, this is so. And it, it also mentions Orin, which uh, yeah, chat, Veru Veru mentioned that in chat. Uh, there are two names that are appear that appear in the one of the new nine entries, and both of the names appear in the Bamberga entry as well. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a couple connections that are really kind of cool within it, just from a very 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 quick overview um, of it. But uh, no green. Let's chat about the first one because I know that was actually a pretty popular question. Was what? So the Awoken go through this pocket universe. Um, so why do we have Earthborn and Reefborn Awoken? How did the Earthborn get created if they are on Earth? So the all the Awoken ca- initially came from the the pocket universe. Like the ones that came back with Mara are all from this pocket universe that were initially shifted or changed or born in the pocket universe because we found out they actually had breeding project a breeding project going on to make sure the Awoken could actually expand, but they did it in a very controlled manner that wouldn't, it was, it was very civically minded um, the way they did it. They made sure that there was never going to be any lack of food or anything going on that they could always sustain with the amount of population that they had. Um, By the way, what blue? Uh, I was just saying that is part of the nine, the uh, the verdicts of the distributary. If you mm. want me to bring those up, because I have those actually written out. At some point, I think we want okay. to, but right now, sorry, I'm that was gonna... that was actually one of the verdicts yeah. was the population control. It was just right. A... Um, as far as how we have Earthborn awaken once Mara comes back with from the distributary with the group that came back with her. Um, a lot of them revolted essentially and decided to leave. And that's you kind of, we learned a little bit about this in the Maraid and the fact that Mara had to call them back. And I believe that's the second time she tried to call them back or the third. But I, she, I, I almost want to argue that it's a crossover of the Maraid and the, the entries that we okay. have here. Cause I kind of think I, that I, she only gave them one chance. I think she gave him tw- two chances. Okay. Because there's there's a line mentioning she this would be your last chance type thing. Oh, okay, okay. Um, because she, whenever the revolt happened, they came over and a lot of the awoken didn't like, um, essentially abandoning Earth because the way Mara convinced a lot of them to come back here is to come back and find their ancestors, where they derive from human humanity essentially. And when Twilight Gap happened, um, a lot of them were really, or no, was it Twilight Gap or Six mm-hmm. Fronts? It's Twilight uh, Gap. No, it wasn't Twilight Gap. It was, I don't even know if it was Six Fronts. I think it was because they came back and then Aldrin kind of figured out that the Fallen were like all over the place because he, he got attacked. That was a uh, Revanche mm-hmm. 1. Revanche right. is like, they're kind of figuring out, oh, there are new aliens, literally, there are new aliens inside the system that we need to be wary of. And uh, Revanche uh, 1 is when Aldrin kind of has an encounter with the Fallen, and they try to, they that's where he kind of gets his throat cut, uh, and he barely escapes. And then Revanche 2 is him reporting back to the entire Awoken, because at that point, 
Mara had not solidified her uh, her leadership Rain. of them yet. Just just at that mm-hmm. point, they were still kind of in flux, and that was more the crux of their problem. Uh, was a lot of them were like, "Who made who died and made you queen?" Was actually a line in the card, and Mara's response was, <laughs> "She was like, well, we all did, but um, the uh, it was more about like uh, there's the the Savin Sa- Savin card." which is where a awoken guardian is brought back uh, and introduced to Mara. And she kind of, that's where her distaste and distrust of the traveler is kind of solidified inside the entries. But uh, it was explained in that card that a lot of the awoken who would become the ancestors of the earthborn went back to earth because they felt loyalty to the humans, humanity, human race. Um, It wasn't, I don't, it wasn't because of any particular battle necessarily. Um, No, it was a um, mutiny type thing, not a mutiny. Yeah. Well, basically the, yeah, basically there was a group of them that were like, we're going and you can't stop us. And Mara was like, well, I'm not going to stop you. I mean, I can, but I'm not going to. It's your choice. But if you leave, you leave. Like, you know, you, you're you not going to come back. She, she proclaims that she'll allow them to do this thing, essentially. It was kind of the, you're going to do this thing anyway, so I'm going to make it official that you can do this thing. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was let's say, face in this whole thing. Yeah, it, a lot of it was. But, yeah, the Earthborn Awoken are descendants of the original ones that came back with Mara from the distributary. Um, they can breed. We know that even that like the immortal Awoken could breed. And yeah. Uh, so yeah. We know and, where they came from. Right. And that kind of the Awoken baby question. Um, obviously, now that they are mortal, they're not so strict. Um, we also find within these, these two questions kind of tie back to the, the, again, to tie back into the verdicts that they establish within, um, uh, extasiate, uh, I think it's extasiate two, uh, that they identify the verdicts of which the distributary will be li- lived within. Um, they also explain why the Awoken are a matriarch. Uh, society mm. because um there were and I know so many more women there were so many more women it was it was just it was just a matter of numbers it really was um because the uh but, 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 fifth verdict is that women should protect and care for men and other and children until more could be born um and so i mean that coupled with the fact that they are immortal so they had to control population you know, kind of led to a, a bit of a, this is not really going to change. Um, though th- it's very interesting to me because the other thing that you kind of get called or that gets called out inside the verdicts is that there are, there are awoken born of flesh and machine. Yes. Like um, the Techians. Well, Excuse and so the, me. Yeah, 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 no, this this gets interesting. So the Techians are 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 an interesting thing as well because there's also a segregation between the type of technology here. Mm-hmm. We have we have two types of technology called Utech and Maltech. Give you a guess, one of them's good, one of them's bad. Um Maltech is the bad tech. It's like uh blasters, like uh what is it? Mirror mirror laser, I think it is that they that Sigur steals. Um, it's yeah. It's, it's something. It's, it's one of it's the a, last 
it's a weapon weapon what we would consider like a gun right which which will kind of segue into one of the the other questions other here questions. the behind their weaponry choices utech was identified as good technology um and there were hang on let me pull this up real quick there were individuals who were noted as being uh, very knowledgeable about UTech and the or the U technology, and they were called the UTEX, which will then evolve into the Tetuans. Um, but the UTEX, as part of the fourth uh, the fourth verdict, was UTEX were noted as being heralded and heated as they were the preservation of the U technology, which was the good technology, um, and so. The they were kind of put on a they were kind of raised up inside the society because they were the ones that understood what was called uh, the the remains of the ship, the uh, Linway ship was called the ship spire. And basically the queens and the Tetuans and then the queens paladins. This is where we also start seeing a, uh, a breakdown of the society as far as titles go. Uh Paladins were the individuals who the queen could entrust with the Maltech because she was sure that they wouldn't betray her, uh, which kind of comes back and bites her in the butt because one of them does betray her, uh, and that is Sigur. Sigur betrays them and brings a weapon over in an event called the Theodicy War, which we'll get into in just a second. But... Um, yeah, and so then we also get the introduction of uh, the other position within the Awoken fleet is the Corsair. Uh, Corsairs were actually kind of mercenaries in the distributary. They were they were actually kind of like friendly pirates, I guess would be the best way. They were just kind of guns for hire. Um, they weren't really loyal to any particular individual. They were they were loyal to unto themselves, uh, and and so within here you have the Tetuans. Um, and there's this like weird thing of like they're mentioning the the awoken as being you know, again controlled population, but then there's that specifically calls out that they're born of flesh and machine, or wombs of flesh and machine. I think is wombs of flesh and machine. That oh, makes it man. sound like they were incubated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, harbingers. What? Mm. Hang on. Let me make sure I'm reading this. Yes, the third verdict is population control. The people were to be born in, quote, wombs of flesh and machine, end quote. Uh, Population control was imposed due to each individual woken being immortal. Uh, and so these, uh, the create, so the awoken verdicts that like we've kind of been dancing around these, there's, there's nine verdicts, basically. Uh, the first verdict is that the people were awoken and they were immortal. The second verdict was the naming of the world, and the world was named distributary before they did not intend to return to the mother world, or as they call it, the tributary, which was our earth. Um, the third verdict was population control, which we just kind of mentioned. Fourth verdict was UTEX were noted as being heralded and heated as they were the means of preservation for the U technology, which was known as the good technology. Uh, and this is opposed to Maltech, such as the guns and weapons, the matter laser, that's what it was, that was mentioned in Fidiacide 2 is one such piece of equipment. The fifth verdict was that women would care and protect, care for and protect the men, quote, until others could be born, end quote. The sixth verdict was that the purpose of the Awoken was to know and love the cosmos. The seventh verdict was that the Awoken owed no allegiance to their mother world, the light, or the darkness. 
Though they were created out of the covenant of light and dark, that covenant was complete and they owed no further payment on the debt, with the exception of remaining on dis- distributary as part of the second verdict. Uh, the eighth verdict was that the, Awokens exi- the Awoken existed in balance, whole in themselves. And then the ninth verdict was that Alice Lee was, with no vote or question, the first queen, and her first pronunciation was that there would be no secrets among the Awoken. Uh, this pronunciation was actually meant specifically to curb potential trouble that Mara and what was called the Her Quiet Council uh, might cause. This also led to Alice being referred to as the Queen Without Secrets, uh, which would come back and damage her in the Theodicy War. Mm-hmm. Sorry, What's I'm, I'm, give, I'm their... giving everyone a moment to absorb yeah. that. Like it's it's yeah, it's a there's bit. a lot. It's and like, I, you and know what? We're still I'm, only in the Maracena. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we're only in uh, like the card first three or four. Yeah, we're only in the f- third card. Uh, what were what was what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, and is there any lore bes- behind their weaponry choice of bows and knives? Right, and that kind of goes back to the fourth verdict. Um, so we see an emphasis within the Awoken on the good technology. Um, they were really, honestly, it was, it kind of reminds me a lot of Ephrodite and her, her pacifist colony. Um, actually they, they don't, they're not opposed to doing violence, which we see in, uh, the impotent entries, um, between Aldrin and Sajir. Uh, they're, they're actually by far, they're, they're not, they're not opposed to it at all, but they don't want what's called Maltech, which is, uh, atomic weaponry. Um, which I believe, yeah, it's, um, oh God, what card There's like a reference back to the, there is, she, it's, it's Mara, it's Mara. And she says that they are their, they are their own success because they dismantled the weapons as soon as they developed them. Um, because, so basically the other thing to keep in mind is that the Awoken as immortal creatures have existed in the distributary for thousands of years. Even though only centuries have passed in the real world, thousands of years has passed them. So they have actually surpassed the technology that they crash landed with. Uh, this mm. is another thing that Mara kind of calls out is that like she um, she and like near the end of the Mara Senate, Mara is no longer kind of manipulating things from the shadows. She is actually kind of out out in front she just, still is it's just not well you could just see was, it a little bit more she wasn't hiding as much because yeah. sejur was her public face and then aldrin was her enforcer mm-hmm. um and so she is like launching all these satellites and she's basically creating a network of intelligence not not like covert intelligence but intelligence of like the world and the the uh nature of the universe within which they exist and then she uses this information to convince people to come with her when she returns, when the revanche, when they go th- through with the revanche. Can um, I also say that a lot of the dialogue about Mara and the things that she chooses to do is very science based? Like, yes. there's a lot of like, she logic thinks, yeah, she thinks like a scientist, and you see it so much in some of these cards where she's just like, we want the data. I need the data type thing. Well, and I think there's also something to be said for that because that's how she gets away with manipulating things 
is she manipulates through the facts. Yeah. Like she presents facts because like she's a teenager. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, she is. But the the other thing is like when she I think it's uh is it Palin it's either Palingenesis I think it's Palingenesis when she's talking to the Awoken, she makes a purpose she makes a point of it only being her face that they see. Because mm-hmm. she calls, she calls out. She's like, "Hey, I could have put, you know." Well, she doesn't actually say this, but in her in her mind, we see her thinking, you know, she could have done graphs and you know images to kind of drive the message home. But she wants right. them, she wants them to remember her face. She wants them to see her face and you know see the emotion and all this stuff. Um, there, there's like, there's a lot. She she's manipulating them through facts, I think, is the is what I kind of took from it. So, like, yes, she is thinking as a scientist, but it's not like she it's not like she doesn't have a bias, I guess, is what I'm saying. The awoken race tends to think like that, or at least what we see are the various ones Mm -hmm. that there are. There are obviously like warrior type people like uh, Sujur or however we're going to pronounce her name. Yeah, Sujur. Um, Sujur Ido. Um, and Aldrin are both definitely more the martial type characters in the story, but you do see a lot of high tech scientific. Um, I want—I don't want to say jargon because it's not exactly the right word, but they use a, that kind of language to describe what they're doing. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. I, I think I think that kind of goes towards the um, them. Sorry, wow. Uh, I think that goes towards their presentation of being elven, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like they they have a higher understanding of reality, which is a very elvish, you know, kind of going back into Tolkien esque fantasy. They're very highly um, sophisticated, and they have a higher understanding of what it is, what reality kind of is comprised of. Um, that's always been kind of a fantasy trope for elves. And I kind of got mm-hmm. that. I don't, I definitely got that feeling, uh, reading them. And then, you know, you go, you, you actually go to the dreaming city and you're like, yep, this is Tolkien. Like this is, <laughs> it's, this is Rivendell. Yeah. Like we are, we are landing in a science fiction. Well, yeah. Or love. Yeah. That works too. Um, yeah. Um, those were, I guess, the only the last question that we had, kind of from the chat, was the connection between Marasana and the Awoken of the Reef and the Maraid. Yeah, um, and that they, was more of my question because I wanted to hear your, I, well, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that one. I think it's a continual timeline type connection. Um, Marasana is the initial Awoken of the Reef gives you a little bit more before. Uh, as far in my interpretation, a little bit more before the Maraid happens, and then it ties directly into the Maraid. Because you start to see it from a, the outside perspective, the Maraid. Because um, we, we get most of the perspective in the Maraid from the officers and whatnot, not Mara herself. Right, yeah. the Maraid. So we, to date, have not gotten anything full from Maraid. The only uh, information that we have from the Maraid are quotes that were part of the House of Wolves um, bounties. Mm-hmm. So, like the Queensbreaker, uh, Draxus, Picus, all those, all those names that you know, way back when, when we were running circles around Skolos. Um, 
that's where we got the majority of the Maraid. And, and honestly, like the Maraid was really, um, I always attribute the Maraid more to like the, uh, the Aeneid. It was mm-hmm. kind of the, it, which it's got a very similar naming convention to it. Um, and so in, in the, and in the kind of, to explain that logic, the Aeneid is the story of the develop of the establishment of Troy by a, a Trojan or sorry, the establishment of Rome by a Trojan following the Trojan war who goes, whose name is Aeneas, hence the Aeneid, um, Mara and the Maraid would be the establishment of, you know, the, the awoken in the reef. Uh, and so there's, there's a bit of like, my thought kind of is that the Maraid might be more of like, um, the epic poetry version of, mm-hmm. of this, this story, uh, Whereas the Awoken of the Reef, which is kind of the book that would actually probably more more likely cross over than anything, is maybe more of a um, uh, an, is autobiography. Is that the correct term for that one? I always flip, uh, I always flip them. I always flip. Auto- them. I mean, an autobiography is a self biography. Yeah. Yes, that's the one I'm thinking. I got it right this time. Yes, you did. It's very rare. Yeah. I will not get it right next time. Um, but, do yeah, you want so. to uh, kind of go over a little bit of what we learned about Aldrin? Because we've talked quite a bit about the origin of the Awoken, or do we want to save Aldrin for his own thing? Oh, man. Because there's so... there's Guys, there's so much. Um, the stories about Mar- uh, Orsana, mm-hmm. Mara's mother alone, there's two two main ones. One before the awoken or become become the awoken which did we mention that it's a singularity type thing situation yeah, well, going on yeah so the pocket universe that we're mentioning that the distrib- that the distributary is within is the effect okay green i'm gonna rely it's, on you a little bit it's the effect of a singularity it's the event horizon it's the yeah it's it's mumbo jumbo as far as science goes so i'm gonna get chastised by z i think in chat for getting <laughs> this saw, wrong i just saw um, in chat pop up <laughs> yeah astrophysics yeah it's very much so there's there's a discussion about the event horizon between the mixture of the light and dark so the blast that we saw in at the end of the red war is very small in the interpretation that i'm reading as far as compared to the initial blast that created the awoken the event horizon of where that blast, that white light met the darkness, which was where the uh, Yang Liwei was very close to. That is where the pocket universe was initiated. Um, it's And then, yeah, multiple dimension type thing slips into all sorts of timey-wimey problems. But yes. That is the as much Z, science as I'm willing Z, to give. I, I, without... I'm, I'm just going to quote Z. Pocket universes are actually a theoretical astrophysics term that we believe may yes. exist. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's, yep. Yep. That's uh, all. I, that's all I have. Just the pocket universe. I don't even know what you said. It's not a poly pocket universe. It's just a pocket <laughs> universe. Yeah. 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 I have. 
I'm not going to finish that thought. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know why, yeah. but now now I have a picture of a Cabbage Patch Kid running That's around f- with. This is like if you want like a good visualization. You remember Polly Pockets? Oh, my from God. Like OK, years so and I, years did, ago. I was I was following your logic there. I was like, why is this? Why is there now a Cabbage Patch Kid running you around had, in my head? You stuck it in your pocket and you carried it with <laughs> oh you. Oh, God. Oh, Pocket Monster uh, Universe. Oh man, chat's chat's loving that one. See, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to help me with that. Then she's gonna help me with the astrophysics aspect of this because oh, she's she got says that they lot. actually did. Uh, they did quite did a their bit job. of astro- Yeah, they're well. They actually did their due diligence with the astrophysics yeah. research. That's really. I cool. am. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, I am. I'll. I'm, I'll totally be game for listening in on some of those um but yeah okay so aldrin oh man where to start with aldrin so aldrin is this this the entire project uh really of recording the forsaken prince i'll be honest kind of made me double down on my view of aldrin really as a as a tragic and sympathetic character he's not um, you know, we kind of saw that with Gaul. Uh, they were kind of being like, you know, Gaul's the hero in his own tale, blah, blah, blah. And like, even then it was kind of like, eh, I mean, yeah, but he's still kind of an, an a-hole. Like, I mean, like even within his own head, he's kind of that way. Aldrin, though, is ultimately Aldrin's goal from like the very first time that we see Aldrin in these entries till we the ending of the campaign, which I still beard has calmed me down quite a bit about, but still I'm a little upset about, um, the entire time Aldrin has really one goal. Um, and that, and that is to save his sister, to save his family. Like that, that really honestly is, is what he is all about. Uh, he is her protector. He is her enforcer Everything he does is done kind of in a way out of love for her. Um, there is a degree, especially near the uh, the end, where he well, where the in, near the end of when Mara was still here in the in the realm of phys- the physical realm, uh, where a lot of his actions were were him trying to get her to say thanks, but not from something she was expecting. He was trying to do stuff that she wasn't expecting. Um, and that all stems back to the beginning of the Maracena where you see in Brefos, he is like this like scrappy, uh, was a zero G brawler who yeah. always got his butt. Handed oh my to God. Him. Like he just, fights this woman oh in God, the first scene so that you great. see him. It's oh funny. My. It's so bad. Um, but yeah, yeah and Viru Viru in chat actually has something has, has saying something pretty similar to my thoughts. Is he's like uh, Viru says that he feels like psychologically older and stayed human and just lived too long with Mara, which kind of gives him a borderline personality disorder. Um, and you kind of see that with Aldrin. Uh, when they come back and Aldrin first encounters the fallen, Mara even makes a comment about, Oh, well he's found his true people because the fallen are those scavengers who, who will always find a way to survive. Even if you beat them down, you know, and it's, it's, that's really Aldrin. Aldrin is always trying to 
I don't know. I don't. I don't get the fact. I don't get the the idea that, or I don't agree with the idea that Aldrin's out to like. Aldrin doesn't have aspirations of his own. Like his aspirations is to further the plans of Mara, especially. Or go for it. Go for it. Considering, and as far as the voice lines and the actual cutscenes at the end of the story missions, Mm -hmm. he's he's warring within himself because he is not sure if this is really what like to what to do for Mara or whatnot, but that's ultimately what he ends up doing is giving what he thinks is his sister, that shard, that little piece. Well, yeah, because he, well, and I think that's also when he starts realizing that it's not his sister. Yes. That's why he's fighting it, but his conditioning, because I think psychologically, I feel like he's been conditioned by Mara. I don't know if it's like a... Oh, no. I... I, Yeah. Well, Which is what Osana was so mad at her about. Right. Because the power you hold over people, and she wasn't specifically talking about Aldrin, but Aldrin was essentially exactly who she should be talking about. Um, Aldrin was always her lapdog, essentially. He would do anything and everything for her. Well... And and so and right now they're talking about the difference between borderline personality and uh, dependent personality disorder inside in the mm-hmm. chat. Um, the reason why I kind of attribute him more towards borderline personality instead of dependent personality um, is because in his in his book, The Forsaken Prince, the first entries are called The Length of the Chain. Um, and what this is in reference to is he has a line in there in which he says that he is purposely throwing himself as far away from Mara as he possibly can. He's always challenging her forgiveness, challenging her her benevolence towards him because he wants to see what the length of the chain that he is bound to her, where that, that chain ends. Um, and to date, he has not managed to reach the end of it. So he is, there is that personality, that borderline personality of like, I love you, but pushing away and then coming back that kind of boomerang, very, very, uh, basic, like borderline thing, um, more so than the dependent personality, which is kind of like that, or that like, um, he, he needs, like he needs always, 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 always needs to be there because he doesn't like, that's the entire point of like the entire excursion that he, he tricks Julian into going into the black garden is merely to test Mara's forgiveness of him. Um, he, and then in the length of the chain too, he has a call out specifically when everyone's like cheering him on and he's like, he's, he's getting ready to leave. He has a moment where he think he's thinking, he's like, the only reason these people love me is because of my proximity to my sister. And he Mm -hmm. recognizes that. And he has a problem with it. He wants to have, you know, there is a degree of which he wants to be out from underneath her shadow, but he's so con I mean, and again, kind of going back to that conditioning, he's so conditioned to be under her shadow that the that's where that kind of borderline boomerang kind of comes in. He throws himself out there and then finds himself being brought back, not by her accord, but by his own. Mm-hmm. And and that's where that depend that co- that dependency, that unhealthy dependency, comes from. And that is where you know we see um, we see the unhealthy echo that kind of begins this transformation. It's very early on in uh, in in, in the. Uh, 
the forsaken p or the forsaken prince piece where he starts having his eyes he he you'll you'll it's about i think it's actually in after the fall where he there's a specific call out it's a very well it's a very short call out in that one but it slowly grows over time where his eyes become sore uh and if you paid attention to the cinematics you know it was pretty it was pretty obvious that at the very end but even at the beginning his eyes were black they they had shadow in them. They were they were right. not the whiteness. Uh, and you see that full transformation when it's actually reversed at the end, where you see that Aldrin was taken. He was partially taken, just the same way that Coria was taken partially. There was a degree of him that was actually taken. There's actually a call out in the voice line. If you look at the subtext, they call him. They they mention that he had been taken. Uh, that was one of the optional dialogues I think that Petra had. Um. And so there's this like this this weird thing, and this is also where you see an explanation of what's happening with Thickrel and the Barons of the Scorn, because in the um, oh I can't remember which entry. It's not the I don't think it's the Thickrel entry. I think it's the one prior to that. I'm I can't I just blanked on the entry, but it's the entry in which Aldrin actually saves Thickrel's life uh, from after a Guardian party ambushed him after a fire team had ambushed the fallen for the it was actually a glimmer public event nonetheless it actually makes a call out to that um he he saves fickrel's life and in doing so in in saving fickrel's life he transfers that taken energy into the ether which is where we get the tainted ether that the scorn have uh Mm -hmm. which you see in uh most loyal the entries within most loyal especially uh i want to say it's chain of souls i think is the card in which varix is trying to reverse engineer like he he Varix is like Varix when when they have them all in the prison of elders, Varix is actually trying to save the scorn. He is trying to reverse the effects that the scorn's um, corrupted ether has on his people. That's why they are kept alive in the prison is because Varix is trying to understand what has happened to them so that he can reverse engineer basically them, um, or reverse engineer what they did to the ether. Aldrin is within that ether like in his cell he is actually sitting in corrupted ether like there's and and there's a uh there's a call out in the cards where he is with the house of kings after he has formed the house of dusk in which he mentions that he has been driven to ether quote ether and other distractions because of the silence from mara or his hallucinations of mara um and it's the hallucinations which are constantly pushing him to like attack his people uh to raise his uh the the um life habitats of the reef that's the these like these ethereal uh voices that are saying you know hey you need to come back home you need you you deserve the crown you need to come home come claim the crown uh, his slaughter of the Awoken Paladins within the royal uh, throne room is also part of this whole thing. It's like this 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 feeding of his desire to please Mara, but also his fear of you know kind of not having Mara there. He he he's not used to not having Mara telling him what to do or what he should do, even even if it's to disagree with it. He doesn't. He's not used to not having that that voice there as a mm-hmm. as a constant a variable. Well, um, they're they're foiled towards each other too. Like they speak to each other in questions. 
they never answered directly. Yes, I, I do remember that because that was uh, when Aldrin's, what was that, his uh, Crowhawk had died mm-hmm. or was yeah, this dying. Is the, was was this dying. Is the right before the last scene with Osana, Orsana, because Orsana and um, Aldrin are having a campfire dinner with Mara because Mara's basically a hermit in some respects. Yeah, sh- yeah, which was a beautiful con on her part, by the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. It was interesting. She's the wise wise woman on the mount, essentially. It's yeah, she's brilliant in her deceptions. But anyway, the the card where Aldrin has his crow had passed. Or was going to pass. It was passed because it was it, it was on his yes. last hunt. He was letting right. it hunt the parrot, or it it That's killed a right. parrot, and she was like, "You're." <laughs> she was like reprimanding him, and then she felt bad for him. Mm-hmm. Because he was just like, "Let him die the way," or like, "Let him have his last hunt" type thing, which is kind of a beautiful callback to Aldrin's in some way, and his role in what he plays because he is her crow essentially. He's the one who hunts for her. Yeah. But um, as far we kind of dug into Aldrin, we've dug into the history of the Awoken a tiny bit. Um, the return we semi talked about and we're we're glazing over so much and I feel oh, yeah. bad, but it's at the same uh, time. Call like, uh, real quick uh, for Beard. Development of House Dusk is also explained within the Forsaken Prince. Uh, within yeah, I, I think can't it's, wait to get the map. It's uh, Kings, I think, and then okay. like it, it's it's a really interesting thing because like it's not at all what everyone was assuming. Um, the way that he, the way that Dusk is formed is actually it's it's an interesting twist. I'm gonna say that I don't want to ruin it for mm. you, uh, but yeah, I, it, it's it's not what everyone was assuming. But kind, Aldrin it kind, had a very kind of is hand in its formation. Well, yes, Aldrin. So, like, Aldrin was very much key in forming House Dusk, but okay. the the catalyst which allowed him to do so is not what everyone was assuming it was from not the House information. Kings, basically, yeah, it's just I, I'm, I can't I can't answer that question without answering that question. So like I mean it's like it's nothing it, it, like everyone was assuming that it took a path the way the and the way that it actually did go down was not what everyone was assuming. I'm just gonna keep it thinking. there. Yeah, okay. or yeah, was assuming based off the information for I think it was uh oh man, what was that Rise of Iron when we got mm-hmm. Fallen Six. Basically, the yeah. events of Fallen Six are what happened, but it's not how it happens. If that makes sense. See, that's what I've been wondering: is like how long. And I guess that that was something I had brought up in a in a recent video, actually the Osiris one, uh, talking about the prophecies. It really made me start to think like how long Aldrin had been uh, planning and working with a lot of this stuff because oh, they've been hinting yeah, he's at this been, now for he's... a long time. So and that's the other cool thing about the Forsaken Prince book is that it actually mm-hmm. kind of goes through his steps because ultimately right. the entire time Aldrin has the end goal of 
bringing Mara back. That is his, in, right. that's like the entirety and totality of his point of existence is Mara needs to come back. Mara is alive. You know, he is the, uh, he's the unhealthy version of Petra's faith. Petra has mm. faith that Mara is alive, mm-hmm. but she is, she is holding the faith, which actually is a amazing, amazing entry when all the paladins realize just how effed up they are and they all look at Petra and realize that's the reason Petra's the queen's wrath. And they all, they all, that is my favorite card right now. They all bow in deference to Petra because they all look down on Petra up until this point. And then when it, when this all goes down and I think it's, um, Oh, which one is it? Fame. Is it fame? Hadrium. It's one of it's one of the it's one oh, of the Hatem, older Hatem. Uh, yeah Hallam Finn Hallam Hallam. Finn he is like he has been he like one, how much of a jerk he is oh my speaking god, out against like, being the like, regent oh my gosh and it's it's just so funny because he's he's talking to her via like a really bad voice call or a face time basically and he can't he can't read her face but he's like in his like you get to see his inner dialogue and he's like i sound like a butt like he's Uh, like oh my gosh you can actually read some of those portions from the vouchsafe uh i believe it's a scout rifle Uh, yes but that i believe is the one that he starts to do some of that on Uh, yeah which they're, oh my As gosh, a, that moment of transformation for the Paladins to Petra oh, yeah. is is just, I'm like, that's perfect. Petra finally gets the respect that, you know, she's been holding out this faith and everyone's been kind of like patting her on the head because, because she is younger. You know, she, mm-hmm. is, she is younger than most of all, or all of the Paladins. Um, mm-hmm. And they all kind of thought that Mara uh, babied her. And yeah, they, 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 she you know, was they, just being picked as favorite or otherwise, right. basically. Uh, because you find out that Petra... So when Sur was finally killed, Petra was one of the only survivors of that engagement. And so... And I think that was in Honored? Was that... I think that was the entry that it happened in. Because uh, Honored is the one where she is named Queen's Wrath. And like the involvement of or the the choosing of Petra as the the subsequent Queen's Wrath after Sejur was a very testy thing because there were a lot of paladins who thought that they were more deserving of the title. Yeah. And and she was brought she was just a Corsair. So not only was she not even a paladin, she was barely uh barely titled Corsair when she was made into the Queen's Wrath. And also, so there's a lot was, of resentment there. Isn't there kind of like a weird thing with the fact that she was, um, because she was raised by the Techians, people, yeah, yeah. she had, it seems like they thought that was a very odd She also choice. shares, she also shares a surname with one of the head Techians. If mm-hmm. I don't know, it really bugs me that that's, that's a thing. Um, so there might be actually familial, like, I, I'm not going to say it's, I, I'm not going to say it's nepotism, but you know, I, there is a connection there. Um, but I also get the sense that a lot of the young Awoken are raised by Tetuans. Like, yeah. I, I kind of, I mean, like, I can see either way going, but I kind of got the feeling that that was, a, that was not necessarily a an odd thing. Uh, because you have, um, what is it, Azurum, the entry Azurum, which was hilarious, like, really messed up. 
but really kind of interesting portrayal of a rogue Ahamkara, which mm-hmm. <laughs> Asram's a jerk. <laughs> like, he's just a jerk. But the way he he tricks, uh, what is it, uh, Elsera, I think mm-hmm. it is, into letting him into her garden, that was just, I mean, uh, it was perfect. But, like, because uh, he tri- when he tricks the, the individuals that he, his victims, basically, are young Tetuans and Corsairs. Like they're they're introduced as young Tetuans and Corsairs, and so I I don't know necessarily if um, I don't know if it's necessarily an odd thing that they are raised by the Tetuans. If that I don't know if that answers the question or not. Um, I know, yeah, I know. Chat really wants us to kind of delve into the bomb logic. Um, oh I don't feel bomb comfortable and doing that at the very end of an episode yeah it's already at two lot two hours at yeah bomb logic really i almost want to say that we need to have an entire episode on the logics of the universes because we're getting we're getting crowded here um we have the sword logic the bomb logic now uh you have uh the yeah. whatever you want to call the traveler's logic and the um, vex and the vex confluent uh Convergence. Um, Convergence. Thank you. God, I'm like, it's, I'm, I'm, yeah. Do you mean this word? Yeah, that word. That word is beer. I feel feel like uh, Google there for a second. Did you actually (laughs) mean? Did you actually? Showing results for. No autocorrect. Stop that. (laughs) The milk logic. The vex vex are simply universal. God. Oh my god. All right. So that's that's a clear sign that we need to to wrap up. When you can break blue because oh. it's 1 a.m. Yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. Is it No oh, man, it is. All right. So let's let's jump through some shout-outs. We will All right, here's here's the thing. I will I will put bomb logic. I I'll, I'll put the logics on the poll um and we'll get it there uh because I think really honestly to to give it fair what it's what the fair do is or what it's due, we would need to do an entire episode on it because we yeah. really could do an entire episode on a lot of these topics, but that one especially is very crucial uh to Mara's plans. So. I agree. And it's we've kind of avoided luckily some spoilers. Like we haven't gotten into anything that I mean, granted the game's been out for two weeks and I know people have lives. And so you're not going no, to I don't get think we I don't think we as far as like spoilers for like in-game campaign I don't think we really We didn't even mention the thing about that you find out initially at the Dreaming City after you talk to Petra when she presents the offering to the oracle Yeah I yeah mm-hmm. I almost wanted to mention that but I mean that's a whole that's a whole another rabbit hole that we can go down mm-hmm. because that ties yeah. into the Jensen Mhm Yeah or I, think I don't know how you want to pronounce it. Jinsum Scribes. That's how I said it throughout all the cards. Uh, yeah, I feel like we did a pretty good... This is such a wide casting topic. Um, an overview-ish, like a start. If you want us to do more of the Awoken cards, because there's so... Like we said many times this episode, there's so many more vote on the polls or let blue and or i or even beard know beard can like shoot it forward to us about what you want us to go over 
We'll put it on the polls and vote it up. We will dive into it. Maybe next time I'll actually be able to give some input. Beard. Beard, I've got some theories for you. I don't know if I want to hear them. Beard, I've got some <laughs> theories for you. I've been good. I've been real good. I have not I bothered don't know you. If I want to hear them. <laughs> I have not messaged you any of these things because I know that things are rough right now, but I've been real good and I'm waiting patiently. So, all right, guys, shout outs. Uh, Beard, what shout outs do you have for us this week? Oh, jeepers, I don't know. It's like this game has not stopped or something. Uh, Just a continued shout-out towards the community, uh, but in particular, I want to thank those who didn't get into a salty absolute mess uh, against each other over stuff. Uh, We're just in this together. I know that there are rewards to be at hand, but uh, let's just just calm down for a little while here, shall we, kids? Uh, just go out, have fun. It's a great experience and a great time to just be, in general, a gamer. Uh, not just as Destiny, but just in general. I keep looking at the releases that are coming up with Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, we've got the newer Assassin's Creed games. I know a little bit on the... Uh, it's a little bit more r- removed, but I know that's coming kind of soon. Uh, just several titles that I know that are coming up and that Nintendo even frickin' announced the other, uh, yesterday <laughs> because the Switch is building to show Did more you? and more of, like, how things need to be going with gaming, and it's just, it's wonderful. <laughs> Final Fantasy meme of, look at all the yes, games that are not you that going not to you. Switch. <laughs> I was, was like, I'm like, oh my god, that is perfect. Well, and I didn't understand that meme until it was too late. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, no. Because I read it and I was like, wait, why not you? What is what is this? Is this just somebody that's like hoping that all these games will end up going to the Switch? And then I hear later through the direct that they said, no, they were announced. And I'm just like, excuse me? They were what? And I'm just like, all right, so, like, Squall is is freaking... I saw another one. I saw another one where it was Final Fantasy VIII fans be like, and then underneath, it's the scene where Squall is in total darkness, and he says, am, am I alone? Question mark. And I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, like, actual scene from the game. It was oh great. Oh, my God. So, I saw that. I saw that meme, and uh, I immediately was like, where's Beard? <laughs> I need yeah. to find Beard. Now that one that one was fantastic. Uh, regardless, like I am I am I'm blown away that like right now anybody and everybody uh can frankly get into something at this point, be happy and not have like a salty stick up their bum mm-hmm. uh, about everything. And just sit back, enjoy yourselves, have fun. Uh and if you are being a big salty jerk bag, uh take a step back or just go away. Green, what about you? The raid is still going. Yeah, I just they saw that not... in chat. Was like, oh no, my god, I'm, when will it I've end? I've been watching it. I have both like Ninji and Datto up because those two teams apparently are the ones that kind of have it closer together. Um, as far as like have their pulled I mean, together. Seriously, that's that's got what is that now? Eight hours on one encounter. I guess. Um, as far as Ninji, yeah. Were what thirteen hours into the raid, and they have made it to um, Ninji has made it to the point where 
they've gotten further. They're one step ahead of Datto at this point. Datto's team has not figured out how to get to where everybody's falling, and they're shooting out the taken um, sores off of Ribbon. Because that is a really cool... that The falling scene. Anyway, it's really cool. I'm excited to be able to finally do this at some point once I am high enough level to do so. I heard but. somebody say that Riven looks like a reskin of Zol, and I would just like no. to put that no. to an absolute no. No. Uh-uh. Right no, it does not. No. And like, no. honestly, going back to uh, that comment, too, that wasn't Zol. No. Which right. also kind of got confirmed softly. Oh, yeah. oh, did it? Riven yeah, it, does well, not look... Tolan, Tolan basically was like, ha ha, you think you killed a god? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, I was like, I, that's like the only dialogue that I've heard from Tolan, and I just, I fell out of my chair. I was so happy. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, dad. <laughs> yeah. I'm still just gonna sit back and be like, uh... Guys, I freaking told you so. Just, just how many times do I it have was, to tell you to, to it was stop? So great. Like, oh my goodness. Anyway, I'm sorry, Green. I didn't mean to cut you. No, yeah, you're sorry good. About that, Green. You're good. It's just, I'm just in awe. I'm in awe of this raid. I'm in awe of this this expansion. There's so, there's so many different levels and layers of things that we've br- even brought up just in this episode of mm-hmm. not just the lore, but the the encounters, the the collectibles, the the cats. There's cats to go and present offerings to. Like yes, because the cat needs to judge you more. I want to know the lore behind the cats. I, Me too. I, I just it's it's cute. It looks very Egyptian, but it's really cute. But yeah, it's just I'm I'm in awe of the amount of work that has obviously been put into this and I'm really grateful that they did because it's just there's I I don't want to say too much because I don't want them to take it away or to not try as hard next time because it's it's a pleasant amount of pain that I'm in at the moment. <laughs> I uh <laughs> okay. That's, I mean, that's a weird way to put it, but there's so much information that I feel like I'm not going to be able to capture it all or read it all or even experience it all for a while yet. And I'm yeah. okay with that. Oh, man. Well, and I think I, the other the other game that just came out, I think it came out today, is uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, mm. Was it today? I think I it, yeah, it did. Is there's it today? Some really good posts Jill, about that. Jill was posting about it. She was really excited. I'm really mm-hmm. excited. I, I want to I wanna get a chance. I've... This this revamp of the that franchise has just blown me away. To be honest, that it's been such a great experience. And then, yeah, beard. You know, the thing, the other thing that I keep seeing, I see, keep seeing all these things about the Switch, and I'm like, all it's telling me is that I need to get a Switch. Let's run through outro yeah. real quick, and then we'll go. We'll right. come back. <laughs> Hang on, let's run through outro real quick, guys. We'll be right back. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to our episode archives can be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, 
focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>